Well, if you have a Bible, I want you to go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We'll have the, the passage of Scripture uh, on the screens uh, behind us. And uh, as you're turning there, as I, as I mentioned, this is Vision Sunday, and uh, this is where we really like to kind of come back to uh, who, who God has called us to be as a church. So you really begin with the question, well, what is vision? What, what is this kind of concept of vision? And vision is really the ability to see things invisible. So Andy Stanley talks about, he's got a, kind of a famous definition of vision, and he says it's a, it's, a, it's a clear mental picture of what could be fueled by the conviction that it should be. And uh, I, I really like that. In, in other words, vision is a picture of a preferred future. And so what I want to do this morning, and you're going you're gonna to pray for me as I do this, but uh, I'm, I want to paint that picture for us. And I want to really share with you where we're going as a congregation. And uh, I want to do this because I want you to be praying for us. Because nothing happens without the church praying. Nothing happens uh, outside of God working through the prayers of his people. And I also want to share this with you because I want to encourage you to take a step of faith and grow and engage and embrace the vision that God has really given uh, to all of us as a church family. When you read through the Bible, what you'll notice is God has a vision for your life. God has a vision for your marriage. He, he has a vision for your family and your parenting. He has a vision for this season of singleness that you might find yourself in. And he has a vision for his church. And there are a number of different metaphors that we see in scripture that God uses to communicate this comprehensive vision that he has for the body of Christ, for the church. And so the Bible talks about that we first and foremost are a family. We're a spiritual family. The Bible talks about that we are a chosen people, that we're a holy nation, that we are a, a, a kingdom of priests, that we're a flock, a fellowship, a spiritual building. We're a body, we're the body of Christ. And we're an army. And the thing that I've learned as a pastor and the thing that I've learned just as a Christian and just walking this journey of the Christian life is that vision leaks. It just leaks right out. And so there's, there's this gravitational pull inside of me and inside of you that pulls us constantly into mediocrity and to compromise and to take the path of least resistance. And this pull is on us continually. And it happens in our marriage where we compromise or in our family and our parenting or in our career or just in our relationship with God. We just kind of settle in our relationship with God. We just put it on cruise control and just kind of check out. And what I want us to do is really keep the mission and vision of our church right in front of us so that we don't drift away. So that we're mindful of you know, the, the forces around us that are trying to get us off track. Now, why, why is it so important that we that we have clarity around the mission and the vision of our church. Well, I, I would say it this way. The stakes are so high. In fact, they couldn't be any higher because, because nothing is more important than the work that we're doing here as a congregation and as a church. The reality is, is that people's eternities are in the balance. And so the stakes couldn't be any higher. There's just nothing more important than what we're doing here. Not the government, not politics, you know, not, not what's going on with the economy, you know, not, not what's going on with your, your favorite sports teams, right? Or your hobbies. 
what we're doing here is more important than anything else because, because this is all about eternity that we're prepping people for. I, I like how C.S. Lewis expresses this. He, he, he really just brings such clarity to this. He says, he says this, Christianity, if false, is of no importance, and if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it can't be is moderately important. And the thing that I know is everything in the world and the enemy of our souls and our, even our own flesh which just wants to pull, wants to push towards moderation, right? We just want to push to the middle and uh, make sure the bases are covered, but really never really go all in. And, uh, you know, and I just, I just think about what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. If Jesus has not been resurrected from the dead, it, then, then what we're doing here is just wasting time. You know, if, if the word of God is just filled with myths and fables, we just need to go home. And we are a people who are most to be pitied. That's what, that's what the Apostle Paul says. But if Jesus has been raised from the dead, nothing is more important than what we're doing here. What we're doing is of infinite importance. Now this week, uh, you know, a longtime faithful member of Stones, uh, Ralph Shannon passed away. And, uh, and we're going to be celebrating uh, his life and remembering his life next, next weekend. Uh, but he just loved Jesus. He loved our church and he stepped into eternity this past week. So we, we need to be praying for uh, his wife, Sally, and, and uh, their entire family. But when you think about a loved one, when they step into eternity, there's only one question that matters. Do they know and love Jesus? There's nothing else matters. I mean, when you think about it, it, it we're not going to ask about, you know, Ralph's 401k or, you know, we're, we're not going to ask about, you know, his golf scores or you know, anything like that. If you know Ralph, he loved to play golf. The only question that really matters, the only question that's going to matter 100 years from now is do you know and love Jesus Christ? It's the only thing that matters. And, uh, and yet we get so distracted uh, from those things. And I think that's exactly what C.S. Lewis is trying to say, um, that nothing else matters more than our relationship with God. So, so what is our mission as a congregation here at Stones. Well, this is how we, how we kind of articulate it and explain it. We say it this way. Our mission is just helping people take their next step towards Christ together. And I would even tag it for the glory of God. And what that really means is when you think about a congregation like this, a congregation as, you know, as large as ours, we, you know, we have people all over a spiritual spectrum. We, we, have, we have folks here that are new Christians, right? We, we have folks here that that are non-Christians. We, we have folks that, that are attending here that, uh, that, have, that have started growing in their relationship with God. We have folks that have been Christians a long time, but they've kind of stalled in their faith. They're kind of just stuck. And, and then we have another group that, that, man, they've been serving Jesus for a long time and their life just really reflects a, a Christ-centeredness. And so, so really what we think, what we say, and what we pray is that God help us to just create places and environments and ministries where all of you can take a step in your relationship with God, where you can grow in your relationship with Jesus. You can take a step closer and closer and closer to him. We don't have the power to do that. Only the Holy Spirit can really make it happen. But our prayer is, God, would you use us? Would you work through us in the lives of our children, in the lives of our students, in the lives of our adults to, to lead us closer to a closer walk with you? And so what I want to do this morning is challenge you, church, 
to take a step, to take multiple steps, to go all in in your relationship with God. You know, we're here at the beginning of 2023, and uh, you're thinking about New Year's resolutions. You're thinking about new goals that you're going to set. You want to make some changes in your life. You're thinking about your, really the commitments that you've made to your family. And uh, you think about the fact that you're a parent or a grandparent. You've made a commitment that you're going to help your kids or your grandkids with their homework. And the reason why you've made that commitment is because you know your kids have academic needs. They have intellectual needs. And so you're going you're gonna to make a commitment and you're going to help meet that need. In your job, you're going to make a commitment to show up early and to stay late and to do excellent work because that's what Christians do, right? And you're going to do that not only to bring glory to God in your job, but you're going to do it because your family has financial needs and you're going to meet those needs. And your children are going to be committed to choir and the drama team and sports and all kinds of clubs. And, 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 and you do that because, because our children have emotional and developmental and relational, physical and social needs. But here's the question I want to ask you. What about your spiritual needs in 2023? How are you going to grow? How's your family going to grow in your relationship with God? I mean, church, what good is it, you know, if... Your kids are just killing it academically. And you're just killing it financially at work. And your kids are doing all kinds of activities in the community. What good is that if they don't know Jesus Christ? What good is it that little Johnny can hit a baseball 500 yards, right? But he doesn't, he doesn't know Jesus. I, I don't think it's really that good at all. And so some of us are acting Really, as if Christianity is moderately important. And it's not. It's infinitely important. And so this morning, just bear with me today. I, wanna, I just want to get very practical. I want to be kind of very down to earth. I want to show it to you from the scripture. And then I want to show, show it to you very practically. The vision that, that God has really given to us as a congregation. And we're going to see it in one of my favorite passages of scripture. I preached on this passage numerous times. Uh, it never gets old for me. I love doing it. Uh, it's Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 47. And uh, I'm going to ask if you're willing and able, would you please stand just out of reverence that God has spoken to us and uh, we'll read this together. So Luke says this, verse 42, he said, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but not the word of God. It lasts forever. You may be seated. So this morning, I want to share with you four marks of a, of a healthy church, four marks of a strong church, just, just in a few moments that we have together. Number one, I think what we see from Luke's description in Acts chapter 2 is that the early Christians were a learning church. They were a learning church. Look with me at verse 42. He tells us they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And so 
So what we see from this is the first characteristic of the early church was they were, they were a learning church. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And it would have been very, very easy for these early believers to just kind of reflect back on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit had been poured out in Acts, you know, earlier in Acts chapter 2. It would have been easy for them to say, we don't need to learn anything. We just need more of the Holy Spirit. We don't need to learn God's word. We don't need to be devoted to that. It would have been very easy for them to say that. But what's fascinating to me, interestingly to me, is, the, is that the believers experienced the, the infilling of the Spirit of God, and, and that led them to be committed as learners because they sat at the, the feet of the apostles. They devoted themselves to the instruction of, of, of the teaching of Jesus. And so when the Spirit of God invades our lives... We become men and women of one book. Now, that doesn't mean we only read one book. We read lots of books, right? But it means this is the priority book for us because it is God's word revealed to us. Now, specifically when it says the apostles' teaching, what, what, what is Luke really describing there? I, I think very simply that is the apostles' teaching was Jesus' teaching to the apostles. It was Jesus' teaching to the disciples. So they spent three years with Jesus, 24 hours a day, uh, seven days a week, just about. And they, they heard every sermon that Jesus taught publicly, and they heard all the private instruction that Jesus gave. And so Jesus is now calling them as apostles to now pass on the word of God that he had given to them. And so the early Christians were devoting themselves to this teaching. Now, why is it so important? That we, that we be a learning church as we think about Stones Crossing. Why is that so important? I, I think the answer to that is pretty simple. When you think about the cultural moment that we're living in right now, what one word would describe this moment that we're in? You've probably got several, right? Let, let, me, let me just throw out one suggestion. I, I would say chaotic. That, that would be the word. Uh, we're, we're living in a time where it just seems chaotic all around us. And uh, I think it best describes the, the, the cultural surroundings that we find ourselves in just, just really over the last, I don't know, six, seven, uh, maybe, maybe 10 years. What we're seeing today, and you've heard me talk about this in the past, but it just bears our, our consideration again. We're, we're living in a time when truth is being questioned at every single level. We're living in a time, and we're watching this unfold right in front of us. Marriage has been redefined. Family has been redefined. Gender has, be, has been redefined. Sexuality is being redefined. And words are being redefined. Language is being redefined right in front of us. And so the very institutions that are crucial to holding a society together, you think about you think about marriage and family and the rule of law, all of those institutions in our society are being destabilized right in front of us. And every single one of us feel the tremors underneath our feet. We see it every single day. And, uh, and so society, culture, community, our nation seems more and more unstable uh, every single day. And so then the question that I have for you is what foundation are you building your life on? What foundation, what are you building? What authority are you building your life on? 
you know, when you think about it, there's only one place that you're going to be able to find security and stability in a very insecure and unstable world. There's only one place. There's only one foundation that's worthy of you building your life on that will never let you down, it will never change, and it will stand for all of eternity. And it is the very word of God. And uh, I, I will submit to you that our troubles today in our society and even in our own personal lives are really because we based our choices on unreliable authorities. And some of us are, you know, maybe a little bit older. And so we, we kind of look back over the past with, you know, with, you know, with great reverence. And we just kind of live according to tradition. And tradition says, well, we've always done it that way. So that's how we're going to do it. And that's kind of what you live by. Other people kind of, kind of just, you know, lick their finger and put it in the air and kind of discern which way the winds of culture are blowing. And, and, so, and so the mantra of culture is, well, everybody's doing it, so we might as well join right in. Or a lot of times, and this is especially what we see in society today, is we just live by our feelings. We live by emotion. Well, I do it because it just feels right to me. Or... We live by human reason. It seems logical to me. You know, this seems right to me. It just seems reasonable. Now, the problem with these authorities, they, you know, they, they are all flawed by the fall. So the entrance of sin into the world, the brokenness uh, of the world, the curse that has happened on creation because of sin has really distorted those authorities. And, and so... And so what we need to do is build our life on the word of God. Because the word of God is the only thing that's going to be left standing when everything's been shaken all around it. And, uh, and so if we're going to build our life on the word of God, then we need to learn the word of God. We need to be men and women uh, and students who are devoted to the word of God. That we, that we are feeding off the word of God every single day. So let me, let me just show you what this looks like practically here at Stones. In, in three to four weeks, we're going to be launching new small groups. So if you would like to be part of a, a weekly small group or a small group that meets every other week, they meet in homes, sometimes they meet here at the church, they meet in different restaurants. If you would like to be a part of that, uh, we're going to be launching some new groups this um, just, just a few weeks. It's called Small Group Launch Pad. And it's a great way to jump into a group and start building community and growing uh, in connection and in your knowledge of the Word of God. We're also going to be offering uh, men's and women's Bible studies. And uh, this has been something that God has just really blessed in our congregation, uh, gathering men together to study God's Word and women as well. We're going to be studying the book of James. Both men and women will be at the same time. And, and uh, our past study in First Peter this fall was just life-changing. We're also going to be offering some classes. We're going to be offering classes on the Psalms. Uh, we're going to be offering a class overcoming anxiety you know a lot of us struggle with that and uh myself included and so we're going to be we're going to be looking at what does the bible say about overcoming anxiety and we're also going to be offering a class called financial peace university and so and so you've got plenty of opportunities coming just just two to three weeks where you can start really signing up and jumping in and growing in your relationship with god and, and let me just say this Church, there's an intentional effort going on to indoctrinate your children in the cultural philosophy of today. There's an intentional effort happening. And, and so, 
can I just shoot straight with you? You guys okay if I do that? Your children need to be in children's church every single Sunday. Your middle schooler needs to be in our middle school ministry called Transit every single Sunday. Your high schooler needs to be in high school ministry every single Sunday. And then every day in between, as mom and dad, as grandma and grandpa, you need to be pouring into your kids. Because if you don't disciple your kids, the world is going to do it for you. That's just the bottom line. And so, and so uh, you have to make a decision what's going to be the ultimate authority in your life. Are you going to live by the world or are you going to live by the word? And so as a church, our vision is to help you live and understand and delight in the word of God. Everybody get it? All right, good. We're going to be number two, a loving church. And uh, you see this in verse 42, a loving church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. You see that? And so what you see is the church loving each other. They were even selling their possessions and goods, sacrificing for one another, and then distributing those to any had need. It wasn't mandatory. It was it was out of love. It was out of joy that they were doing this. So we want to be a church that loves. We want to be a church where every person is known and loved. That's the kind of church we want to be. Now you say, well, why? And, and the answer really is, you know, Jesus says that we are to love one another. We are to love one another as he has loved us. So the motive for our loving each other is Jesus' love for us. And he says that the world will know that we're Christians because we love each other as a congregation. And so all of that to say, love is the distinguishing mark of the church of Jesus Christ. It's what sets us apart from everything else. So what that means is this. It doesn't matter if you're young or old. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you're educated or uneducated. It doesn't matter if you're black or white. Uh, doesn't matter if you're a Purdue fan or an IU fan, a Pacer fan or a Laker fan. It does, that, none of that really matters. You walk through those doors and you're loved. And I'm not asking you to be extroverted if you're an introvert. I'm just asking you to care for people and love people because that's what marks the church of Jesus Christ. You know, uh, I, have not, I have not yet figured out how people make it through life without being a part of a church family. I'm still scratching my head on that. That's why I'm bald. I've, I've scratched all of my hair out. I haven't figured that out because, I mean, you think about the course of your life. You know, you live 60 to 70 years, you're going to lose loved ones. You're going to lose your job or at least go through a job transition. You're going you're gonna to have health scares in your life. You're going to, you're going to struggle in your marriage. You're going to struggle in your parenting. If you live long enough, you're going to hit every single one of those. Now, my question is this. When you think about how hard those things are, because so many of us have been through them, they would be a hundred times harder to navigate those things completely alone. And what the body of Christ is supposed to be is a fellowship, a community where you are loved and you have a need and so those needs are met. So you, you enter into community and you're like, man, our family's really having a hard time right now. This is what's happening. And, and 
you know, it would be so amazing for somebody else who hears your story say, you know what, we've been through the same thing. This is how we got through it. Or they say to you, why don't we just take a minute and pray right now and ask God to intervene? Or they say, how can I help? What can I do to help you? Church, as you start to see and envision that, we start to live it. And that's what brings glory and honor to God in our lives. I, I, I can't tell you how many times we'll have a, a family in our church see a need in another family in our church. And then they come to me with a, like a, a care package or you know, a gift card or just an envelope full of cash. And they bring it to me and they say, Scott, will you deliver this to this family? We want to give it anonymously. So will you just pass it along? It happens all the time. And it's the most breathtaking, beautiful thing uh, that you could ever see. And what is that? That's the body of Christ being devoted to the fellowship. And it honors uh, God and glorifies him. Now, let me, let, me, let me say this. You know, for us to be that kind of community, you have to be here. I mean, I know it's really simple, but you have to be here. You, you can't love people via the live stream. You, you guys know what I'm saying? It's so tempting. And everybody at home that's watching online, right, they feel so guilty right now. Um, <laughs> but it's just hard to love people over the internet. And so you... To do, you have to be in relationship, which means you have to be present. L let me share with you some opportunities for you to kind of grow in your sense of community here at Stones. Um, this coming, uh, or Friday, January 20th, Luann and I are opening up our home. It's called Dinner with the Pastor. And uh, if you're new to Stones and you just want to make some new friends, there'll be 10 to 20 people there at our house. You get to come hang out, eat with us. Uh, it's really fun. We just hang out and eat, and then I'll let you guys ask questions. We can play stump the pastor, but we would love for you to be there. Um, it's, it's really designed for newer people, but if you've been around here for, you know, a long time and you'd like to come eat, come on. I don't care. You know, the more the merrier. So, so you can sign up online for that. Our membership class is coming up February 5th and 12th. We're offering it on Sunday morning at 1045, uh, both, both, uh, both on uh, February 5th and February 12th. So you have to be at both sessions. And, um, and so we'd love to have you there. So that's why you just get to know our church and you can come to the membership class. You're not, you don't have to join, but you just get to know some new people, get to know our church. And then uh, we, we've been doing a thing called Dinner Together. And uh, that's coming February 17th. And we just bring in a lot of food and we clear out this place or we clear out outside when it's not 20, deg 20 degrees below zero. And uh, we just eat together. And we just give you an opportunity to fellowship and, and build those relationships. So we have those opportunities coming this year. We do those things because our vision is that you all would love each other and you would have uh, that relationship. So everybody get it? All right, we wanna be a learning church. We wanna be a loving church. Uh, number three, we wanna be a praying church. You see this all the way through the book of Acts. I've shared that with you before as well. But look with me at verse 42 again. There's so much just in verse 42. Uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. From the book of Acts, it is absolutely clear the early Christians were committed not to just private prayer, but corporate prayer. 
gathering together as the body of Christ, praying together. It was central to their life. It was central to their ministry. And, um, and so that's what we want to be. We are on a three-year plan to cultivate us into being a praying church. And we're going to turn up the heat on this and, uh, and call you to join in prayer. Because, because here's the thing about prayer, church. Do, do you know what prayer is? Prayer is just dependence on God. That's what it is. And if we're not praying, we're not depending on God. You know who we're depending on if we're not praying? We're depending on ourselves. We don't want to be that church. There's nothing in me. I have nothing to offer you. God is what fills and satisfies. And so we're going to be a praying church. When we pray, we come together as the body of Christ, acknowledging our need, acknowledging our reliance, acknowledging our, our, uh, our desperate weakness for God. And it's just funny because in the Bible, weakness is strength. God in the Bible takes weakness and he flips it around and turns it into strength. It's just an amazing thing. And so prayer is just coming face to face with reality. God, I need you. We need you. And the more we cry out to God for that, the more God moves in our midst, the more God changes lives, changes marriages, changes families, changes relationships because we are crying out to him. And so this coming January 29th, we're gonna be having, uh, it's a Sunday night, we're gonna be having an all church prayer gathering and you all need to be there. You just all need to be here. And uh, you're like, I don't know how to pray in public. We're not going to bring you up here and ask you to pray, you know, on the stage or anything. But, but the thing that I will say is you'll learn how to pray. And uh, you, will, you will experience the presence of God in a new and fresh way. So that is January 29th, 630. You need to be here. Everybody get it? Very good. All right, last one. And I'm going I'm to finish with this. We're going to be a missional church. That's our vision, a missional church. Look with me at verse 47. Luke tells us this. He says, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So every single day, I mean, think about how amazing this is. Every single day, the Lord was adding to their number. That means every single day, more important people were committing their lives to Christ and then committing to the local church. So what this tells me is this. It tells me that the that the early Christians were living on mission. It tells me that they had, a, they had the, the mission in mind and they were mobilized. So as they gathered together, they dispersed and they went out into all of Israel and they served and shared the gospel. And so the Bible says every Christian is called to a ministry in the local church and a mission to the world. Every Christian. It's called to ministry and mission. And let's, let's just kind of think about that. What, what's the mission to the world? Well, very literally, it's, it's sharing the gospel. Now, when I talk about sharing the gospel, as I unpack this, what happens in the room, and it's happening even now as I begin, uh, the anxiety level in the room is growing. I mean, it really is. I, I might as well talk about tithing because that would be more exciting, you know what I mean? Um, but we just get nervous about this because we think, oh, I'm going to say the wrong thing or somebody's going to reject me or, you know, I'm just going to mess it up. So I'm just going to keep quiet. I'm not going to say anything. And that, all of that just, 
reflects a misunderstanding of what mission really is. We think mission is I got to go out and convert somebody or I got to go out and convict somebody. And that is not it at all. Do you know what the gospel is? It's good news. It's the good news that God loves you. Jesus died for you. And you know what an evangelist is? An evangelist is someone who just shares good news. The word evangelist in Greek, it wasn't even a religious term. So back in antiquity, when two nations went to war or two different people went to war, they would duke it out. And the winning army would send out messengers when the battle was over to go back home to their families and announce who won. Their announcement was, we won. Our kingdom stands. Our king is alive. And sharing the gospel just means you and I leave these doors. We go out into the schools. We go out in the community. We go where we work. And we just share good news. And if we'll just do that, church, God will do the converting. God will do the convicting. He's the only one who can. We're, we're not responsible for how it's received. We're just here to deliver the good news. Our king has secured our redemption. That's, that's our news. So what if, what if this year you identified one person that you knew needed Jesus and you made your commitment that you're going to share the good news with them this year and you're going to pray for them every day? Church, that would be absolutely amazing. And so that's what we're going to focus on this year. We're going to equip you in this and uh, set you up uh, to do this this year. And I'm really excited. I want to introduce to you uh, this morning our missions pastor. His name is Lee Harper and his wife, Laura Ashley. Uh, they have two kids, Holland Grace and James, and they have just moved to Indiana uh, from God's country in Alabama. And, uh, and we're so excited to have them. So Lee, where, where are you, Lee? Um, there he is. Everybody turn and wave to Lee. So Lee is our, our missions pastor, and he is going to be overseeing, mobilizing our church to go globally on mission trips. We're going to be getting those fired up, and, uh, and then he will be also equipping you to share your faith in Christ. And so we're really excited about them. So you need to connect with Lee and his family uh, in between the services today. But you also need to be serving. So it's not just about mission, but you need a ministry to the world. Now, if you went to Barnes & Noble, you go to the self-help section in Barnes & Noble. I don't, I don't think it's called that anymore. They've changed the name of this, that self-help section. But every single book in that section is about how to get the most out of life. But that's not why God created you. God created you to give, to give your life away. That's why he gave you talents, abilities, interests, and passions. Not to use them for you but to use them to be a blessing for other people. And so you're to use them to serve the body of Christ. And that's why this morning during In Between the Services, we have a ministry fair right outside. And this is a great way, if you're not serving, to get some information, make a commitment, and start serving somewhere. Start using what God has given you to change people's lives. Let me share with you some some new ministry opportunities we're opening up. Uh, we're very, very excited about. The first one 
And this would be a great opportunity for you to serve. It's called Embrace Grace. And Embrace Grace is a, a ministry to single women, single women who are experiencing an unplanned pregnancy. So it's our way as a church of coming around these ladies, caring for them, uh, discipling them, providing for them, and encouraging them. And uh, it is a phenomenal ministry. It's done all over the United States. And we're launching uh, Embrace Grace here. And uh, we're real excited about it. They have a booth outside. And uh, this would be a, a tremendous opportunity for you to serve. And, uh, and so there's just lots of different ways that you can serve in this ministry. So that's a new one that we're launching uh, this month, uh, in the month of January. Uh, another ministry that we're doing is a ministry that we've done in the past, but we, we, had, to, we had to stop it because of COVID. Uh, but we're, we are firing it up again. It's, it's Stones Crossing Tutoring Ministry. And uh, this is where we provide tutoring to students uh, in our community, outside of our community that need help with schoolwork. So if you're kind of academically minded and gifted and would love to help, uh, I've got two college kids that need some tutoring, so you could help them. Um, but uh, we would love, love for you to jump into that ministry. And then there's one more ministry I want to tell you about. This is, this, is, this is huge. We're doing a new ministry called Surrendering the Secret. And Surrendering the Secret is... Um, is a, a ministry that, that helps uh, those who've had an abortion. Uh, so if you've had an abortion six months ago, 60 years ago, the focus of this ministry is to help find healing through the heartbreak of that experience. And so they provide community and discipleship and really facilitate God's compassion and God's healing grace in your life. And they do it Church, they do it in a very confidential way. So even when you sign up, you can remain, uh, your sign up can remain confidential. And uh, so we're going to be hosting that. That starts January 24th at 6.30 p.m. You can sign up online on the events page. Look for Surrendering the Secret, and you can sign up even confidentially online and get some more information and so these are just all great ways for you to take a step for you to serve in fact i want to show you a really cool video that kind of talks about why serving here at stone so watch the screens behind me my name is ryan sarver and this is my wife lauren and we've been attending stones since 2014. My name is Julia Reynolds, and my family and I have been attending Stones for 12 years. We are the Cartwrights. I'm Isaac, and this is Kayla, and we've been attending Stones for about four years. So to put it simply, I serve because there's a need. Um, being a part of this church family, I'm, I'm paying attention to what the church needs, and as a family member here, um, I want to help. And I don't serve because I think I'm the best at it. Um, I don't have the best vocal range. Um, I don't lead worship perfectly. And I have two boys that I'm raising that I wanna show them that we're not just here to take from this world, we're, we're here to give back as well. And so serving is important to show them that someday they can give back to the church that they were raised in. So we've both served in different areas here at the church over the years. And right now we're currently serving in children's ministry. One Sunday we came to pick up our kids and just noticed a couple of our friends were serving and it was just, there were so many kids in the room and it was clear um, that they had a need for more people to serve and so that's when we started doing it. Now I have to say like I did not feel <laughs> like that's necessarily where my giftedness lies with uh, working with kids but I also knew 
that's where that's where the need was. And as being part of the community um, and being part of a church, I mean, sometimes serving in ways that don't always feel uh, the easiest, but that's that's where the need was, and so that's why we that's why we jumped in. I started serving in the cafe about a year ago, um, and I mainly started just because who doesn't love coffee? And um, just to see the smiles on everyone's face when they come in and they're so excited to get a warm cup. Um, I get joy mostly in um, being able to create that um, alertness that they get in service. And then also that I get to meet these people and see them elsewhere. And so I get to talk to them after service and they're like, hey, you serve coffee. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Like, hey, what's your name? And I make an, you know, a deeper connection with them. So I decided to become a youth leader because, um, you know, growing up, I mean, being a teenager is hard. Um, and so growing up, people who invested in me, um, I wanted to kind of, that's a little bit of my passion is investing in those. And I feel like, you know, God gives us all different gifts in different areas. Um, and so we definitely want to use those gifts. We're not here for ourselves. We're here for others and to serve the Lord. And it's not easy at times, you know, I'd rather you know, there's, everybody's busy, there's lots of things going on, lots of different priorities and things, but we're not here for ourselves. I think if you're feeling uncertain about serving and, and feeling like maybe you don't have anything particular to give, I think you just need to have a willing heart and just have an open mind towards it. It's easy for us to just let those doubts take over and think that we have nothing to offer, but we all have something to offer. Every train, there's a piece that needs to be done, and each piece is just as vital to, to make the church run the way it does. Just jump in and do it, because the, the joy and the great feeling that you have from giving something to somebody, or just giving what you have to the Lord, far surpasses just, you know, sitting back and waiting for, you know, the right moment to come up, and then being scared to take it. I would say if, um, if you're not serving, I would encourage you to serve. I mean, that, that's, that's what it means to be part of family. It's not just to sit back and observe other people doing it. You know, we'd never consider ourselves serving a children's ministry because we always thought, oh, there's someone else that, that does this better or uh, can do it. And the reality is sometimes there's not. And that person is you. That person that needs to step up and do it is you. And, you know, we may not always serve in children's ministry. We may not always be your thing. Um, but for this season, when we're needed, I mean, that's that's where we are. You might have an area that you're really passionate about that makes sense for you to serve in, or it might just be that there's a need that you can easily fill. And I think either of those things are wonderful. Um, there's a place for you here. So go find someone, talk to someone that can get you plugged in and just be a part of the community of God here. Can we give them a round of applause for sharing? So can you see it, church? Can you see the picture? We would be a, a church on mission. We'd be a praying church, a loving church, and a learning church. It, that's, not, that's not me. That's, that's all of us. That's the Spirit of God working through all of you to bless and to bring glory to His name. So where are you going to serve? Where are you going to live on mission? That's the question. Let me pray for us, and then I'll, I'll let you go. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the picture that we see. Thank you, thank you for making us as people that can see the future and uh, envision it. And I pray 
that your vision would become a reality in our midst. So we pray this for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people said, amen. All right, we'll see you next Sunday.